Austin, man, how you doing? It's good to see you. Dude, great to be here. I'm finally happy that we're able to catch up. We worked together for so long at PFF and obviously had some our times, you know, cross or pads cross while I've been working at PFF in the ringer and you've been working at Sirius. But getting to talk to you finally after a while, it's great to see you. Yeah, dude, Austin, thank you for gracing us with your presence, you know. Now, now you're a big shot at the ringer. You know, it's honestly, I'm honored. I'm honored. So uh, cheers, cheers to you. By the way, rocking the Modellos. I'm not sure if you saw, but my previous podcast uh, ranked in the top 250 in Mexico. I don't know if the tailgaver did that, but uh, that's but, that's a big feat, dude. And, listen, and I know I'm, I, I'm happy that four Mexicans accidentally clicked on the football podcast, and I was like, I, I have a unique in that. I think Mexican. Beers are honest. Like the average of me- Mexican beer is a little bit better than the American beer. Now, I think people will flame me for that. I know I do love a Miller Light. I do love a Bud Light, Coors Light. But you rank you, you got you rank those three beers versus a Modelo, a Pacifico, a Corona. I- I'm going Mexican beers all day long. So I'm, happy, I'm happy Mexico is treating you well. Dude, 100 percent, man. Like Modelo is the best, especially with Modelo Negra. And I got that. I was introduced from. Remember, Mike used to be our accountant or or. Or a second account. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. he spent time in Mexico. He introduced me to this beer. I was like, oh, this is fantastic. Because, yeah, like, you know, Bud Light, Budweiser, like, that is what it is. Mm-hmm. It's not like, you know, uh, pounding the Kentucky Ales that I did back when we would hang out and then vomit <laughs> straight in the PFF bathroom afterwards. That's a good time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nothing like us going out together and then both of us leaving Cole by himself. That was a good time, too. That, the <laughs> Irish by the way, is something I've mastered. But for Cole... Uh, War Damn Eagle, yes. Finally getting their their big win this this uh, this week. You know that was a uh, rough down there, but let's jump into a team that I know you love, <laughs> love to hate or or however at this point. Uh, the Las Vegas Raiders, man, they were projected to be maybe not win the West, but be in the hunt, right? At least be in the playoffs. I think uh, was it was it Sunkball and and the PFF guys gave a one percent chance of making the playoffs now. What's your overall take of the season? It's got to be disappointing, right? And I think now, as you see comments from head coach Josh McDaniels, comments from owner Mark Davis, it's going from disappointing to embarrassing. And I'd honestly say really worrisome for not just this season, but future seasons. Um, You know, you look at Vegas win totals. I think they were projected around eight wins. They were also projected, I think, like plus 240 to make playoffs. And that was just because they were – in a really tough division. What was a tough division on paper? Obviously the Denver Broncos have also disappointed this year as well, but there were expectations when they brought in Josh McDaniels, when they brought in the general manager, Dave Ziegler traded for Devonte Adams, brought in Chandler Jones, that this team that made the playoffs last year was going to be a playoff contender again. And obviously they've stumbled mightily out of the gate after winning seven. I think there were seven and two in one score games last year. They're now zero and six in one score games in 2022, really struggling in specifically high leverage situations is where I see it the most, right? It's red zone, it's third downs, not being able to continue or can maintain drives and also finish drives in the red zone. And I think that's a big reflection of coaching, right? When you look at, and so, and maybe some personnel, like not having Hunter Renfro for a lot of this season, not having Darren Waller for a lot of this season has hurt them in those situations and that Devontae Adams is often getting bracketed and they're forcing their targets to, Mac Hollins or Foster Moreau and not having the successes there. But my biggest concern isn't 
the offense underperforming in high leverage situations. It isn't a defense with no talent outside of Max Crosby not having success. No one went into this year thinking this defense was going to be good. You know, right. the average fan probably can't even name the starting outside corners for the Las Vegas Raiders. They, 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 just, they just cut their starting safety in Jonathan Abram. Like, yeah, he wasn't playing well, but he still was a starter. The player behind him can't be that much better. So I, I think the bigger concerns aren't that the defense is playing poorly or the offense is struggling in high leverage situations or they're losing one-score games. The bigger concern is the disconnect you're seeing publicly now between how the leaders on this team in the locker room, Derek Carr, Devontae Adams, are expressing concern about effort and buy-in and then you have the leaders outside of the locker room josh mcdaniels dave ziegler mark davis commenting on no concerns with effort and mark davis saying he's doing a fantastic job and that purely being a reflection of josh mcdaniels doesn't want to admit he's at fault here and mark davis right. doesn't want to admit josh mcdaniels is at fault because that would you know show that one he hasn't had a lot of success hiring coaches and two one of the most cap-strapped cap cash strapped owners in the NFL would have to go from paying John Gruden, then paying Josh McDaniels, and then now paying another regime to come in in a buyout situation. So it's a really, really tough time for Raiders fans, not just looking at the rest of the season with less than a 1% chance to make the playoffs, but even 2023, where they're going to go into next year with Dave Ziegler, they're going to go into next year with Josh McDaniels and those two leading the regime in a rebuild could end up cutting or moving on from players that are actually talented on this team. Right. So, and I'm happy you kind of touched on the situation that Mark Davis is in, right? Where he uh, is kind of cash strapped right now, right? In in general, he usually is because of just the financial situation that he's in, but he is paying John Gruden. He can't get out of this McDaniels contract right now. Uh, if you were Mark Davis, like what's your, what's your plan here? Like, like, do you go and, and bite the bullet and, and, and hire somebody else? Or are you sticking with McDaniels who, is 13 and 24 as a head coach and not looking like he's going to get any better. The tough, the tough part of it is, is it's, I don't think is it's much of a choice as you know, maybe people will make it out to be like, I, I think he's legitimately cash poor and notably one of the you know poorest owners in the NFL to a point where he can't afford, like literally can't afford to move on from McDaniels and, and Ziegler with the buyout at play. So it's not even a situation where you say, if you were Mark Davis, what would you do? If, if I was Mark Davis, I'm probably just as broke as Mark Davis and can't afford to, you know, when John Gruden's contract was terminated and he resigned, there's $40 million remaining. They did go to a settlement, but you can't imagine Gruden left empty handed and the McDaniels no. and Ziegler, those contracts aren't reported. You don't know what those commitments are, what that buyout might be, especially after just one season. It's easy to say, if I was Mark Davis, I would fire Josh McDaniels and fire Dave Ziegler and I'd get this right. Okay, if you were Mark Davis in that situation, you'd have to agree to pay another $40 million to people not coaching your football team. And watch McDaniels, who, like Matt Patricia, would probably go back to the Patriots in some ominous role, not name offensive coordinator, so the cash flow keeps coming. People don't talk about that enough. Matt Patricia is not an offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator in New England, because if he got that title, he would stop getting the cash payout from Detroit from when they fired him. That same sneaky shit would go down if McDaniels gets let go by the Las Vegas Raiders and Mark Davis would be paying for it. So it's a hard question to say... If I was Mark Davis, what would I do? Because in that situation, you're admitting to paying a lot of money. And people will say, oh, he's, he's still really rich and all that stuff. It's, it's still a hard decision to make to be like, hey, this guy, right. I just hired. Because in addition to it being a lot of money, in addition to it being millions, tens of millions of dollars to pay Gruden, to pay McDaniels, to pay Ziegler in a buyout situation, you're also admitting you're not doing a good job. You're, you're also admitting like, hey, I'm the guy who hires the head coach and I fucked it up again. Like then you're going to start getting questions about the legitimacy of your ownership and all that stuff. So 
Mark Davis is right to save face and saying McDaniels, you know, the quote, the quote was McDaniels is doing a fantastic job. And the end quote was Rome wasn't built in a day. Rome was built in 800 years. I don't think the Raiders are going to be good in that time either. As long as this Davis ownership is there, because it's just been such a struggle for them to actually identify a head coach that they can commit to and a regime that they can commit to, to actually fruit a rebuild. The last GM to actually lead any type of rebuilding charge was um, McKenzie. You know, it, it was, you know, uh, I'm forgetting his first name. Not Khalil McKenzie. That's his son. Reggie McKenzie. Reggie McKenzie came in, drafted Khalil Mack, Derek Carr, and it changed everything, right? It changed everything for the Raiders. In 2016, they had all that success. They haven't had a draft like that since. They've had one of the worst drafting records since, and that, I think, has ultimately led to a lot of coaches getting fired, a lot of GMs getting fired, and now in a situation where they might have to do it again, but Mark Davis doesn't have the money or the, the, the self-esteem to even pull that move off. Listen, man, any other bowl cut probably doesn't have great self-esteem. Yes. <laughs> but uh, kind of going back a little bit to your point of defense, right? No one thought this defense would be that good, but they're they're awful, right? They are terrible right now. Do you force a change at the defensive coordinator spot? Patrick Graham, who had a lot of love in New York, but we're not seeing the same kind of production. It's almost it's almost like they don't even come in the middle of the field in their short passing game. What do you do with this? Do you just say, oh, it's not good players? Or does some blame have to go on Graham? I mean, I don't think in any situation you can say the defense coordinator of a, a, a defense that is playing this poorly is free from blame. However, I do think that in just one year, it would be unfortunate to see Patrick Graham let go and him be the scapegoat for what is objectively one of the most talent-deficient defenses in the NFL. Starting safety is veteran Daron Harmon. Starting outside cornerbacks have been a combination of Rocky Seen, Anthony Averett, and Nate Hobbs, Nate Hobbs when healthy. When Hobbs hasn't been healthy, it's been Amik Robertson. They had Jonathan Abram playing over 400 snaps for this defense before they outright cut him. Trayvon Merrick is still a very young player in this league and one of the lowest graded safeties in the NFL, according to PFF. Interior defensive linemen have been Bilal Nichols, someone that Ziegler brought in. He's played terribly. Hasn't been what they had in Jonathan Hankins. They've had castaways and Andrew Billings, Jayon Brown, Denzel Perryman. Like, none of these players have played at the level that you need to play to have a good defense. And, and, and a lot of them are players that Ziegler has brought in. That's Jones. That's Nichols. That's some of the linebackers that they brought in. Blake Martinez led the team in tackles against the Jaguars and retired the next day. This is not like, th th this is a tough, tough talent, you know, from a talent perspective, tough thing to look at. Like this Raiders defense doesn't need one piece, two piece, three pieces. It needs like four or five. There isn't a starter outside of Max Crosby that would be even a top five player on another team. Like it, it is a really, really difficult spot to look at this Raiders defense and say there are building blocks beyond Max Crosby. Even Trayvon Merrick hasn't had the success that you'd like to see him have. And now he's played in two different defenses in his two years in the NFL, but there still are concerns. I like Nate Hobbs. He hasn't been healthy. The outside cornerback room, I think, is tough. Like Patrick Graham getting the out or becoming the scapegoat in this situation, I think would be malpractice. Just like I think we're going to talk about the offense later, looking at Derek Carr as potentially the scapegoat for an offense that has really struggled. I don't think that would be just either. What has to happen is that this Raiders team needs an injection of talent defensively, for the, specifically in the secondary and an off-ball linebacker, for anything to get better. I think Patrick Graham being blamed for this and fired for this, I think, would be, would like, would be like I said, malpractice. So that kind of leads me to another point here. You said it needs an injection of, of talent, right? 
Uh, they only have $36.5 million in cap space next year, which is, it seems like a decent amount, right? But it's, that's allocated with only 30 players in the contract. It means they're paying a lot of guys a lot of big money, and they still have a lot of positions to fill. Uh, they have, I think, like almost eight starting spots to fill. They have nine like key reserve spots to fill. And there are some guys under contract that are probably need to be upgraded, right? Uh, you know, we talked about Max Crosby being the only guy that, that could play, right? Chandler Jones uh, is is making a ton of money, like $19.5 million next year. And you can't cut him. I think he's like a negative $6.5 million cut uh, if you do it next year. But there's a lot of positions that need to be uh, upgraded. So, you know, from a, a team building standpoint here, like, what are you, what are you going to do here? Do you, like, do you have to make some cuts or like, or, or are you going through the draft? Like this, this, they kind of spent like a team that was prepared to win yet. They have two wins. It's tough. I, I, I think that if I were, cause it's not Mark Davis that's in charge for this, right? It is going to be Ziegler and McDaniels as a tandem assessing this roster. My assumption is they're going to look at Derek Carr as someone they want to move on from this offseason, especially if they're drafting in the top three and have an opportunity at either Bryce Young or CJ Stroud to the top quarterback prospects in 2023. However, my attention would not be at Carr because if you're moving on from Carr, I think there's there's part of you that has to also admit that you might have to move on from Devontae Adams in some type of package deal because he did not come to the Raiders to play for the Raiders. He came to the Raiders to play with Derek Carr and to move on from Derek Carr after just one year together. I just don't know if they do that, right? I don't think that makes the most sense. There are opportunities, however, to look at restructuring some of these contracts or even trading some of these players. I know Darren Waller was potentially in conversations of being traded around the deadline. I, I think you have to look at that. Chandler Jones' contract almost needs to immediately be adjusted, or he's you're going to be looking at cutting him and taking on some dead cap because he has not had the success that you need him to have starting opposite of Max Crosby. And you need to leverage some of that additional cap space that you're getting in restructuring some of these contracts and letting some people go and trying to either acquire draft capital via trade or look at veteran free agents that can come in and start to build an actual culture defensively uh, and, and move this team forward. It's not going like, like Mark Davis, as funny as it is, it's not going to be built in a day. It's not, this isn't Rome here, but like it is going to take time and take investment in the draft and investment in free agency in the right players and moving this defense forward and offensively in the right players, specifically along the offensive line. I think this receiving core you don't want your number two receiver to be Matt Collins, but if Darren Waller's healthy, Hunter Renfro's healthy, you have Devontae Adams, Derek Carr, that is a good receiving core that can get better as you add through the draft. The offensive line has to get better. Right guard, right tackle, center, left guard, all of those are, are, are opportunities where there could be upgrades. And I think, again, no one wants to admit this is a rebuilding team, but those positions need to get better if the coaching is not going to maximize the talent that they have. And as we've seen with McDaniels, it hasn't maximized what they've had. They've lost in a lot of high leverage situations and they've lost obviously a lot of one score games. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I, I, I think a lot of the point here comes from uh, the three skill guys, right? Adams, Renfro and Waller, right? You would think even, even knowing their O-line problems that we're going to have this year, right? Cause they, we, we knew it was, it was really Colt Miller. And then who knew? Uh, for the other four spots, it was going to be kind of rough year for the Raiders. And that was always going to be their downfall. But you would at least thought they would have offensive production uh, from those three guys. Now, yeah, Waller's been injured. Uh, Renfro's been injured. But it kind of brings up the point here, and I'm, I'm going to bring back up this, this little graphic here. Can you afford to have three guys like that making that kind of money at the same time, right? 
Adams, Renfro, Waller, you're talking about guys that are almost combined for $40 million, right? And you're already strapped. So putting you in the GM chair, right? What, do you, what are you doing with this? Are you moving on from a guy like Renfro? Are you moving on from a guy like Waller? Uh, who you know, Waller didn't have uh, – obviously, he was always a, a very good tight end, but his chances of being a high-level, like a blue-level tight end is probably not – existent at this point in his career being almost 31 uh and coming off this kind of an injury riddled year hunter renfro you probably shouldn't have paid hunter renfro the money he got anyway even though he's a very good player but you can get slot receivers in the draft mm-hmm. and that can be pretty decent uh unless you have a guy named cooper cup then obviously you gotta you gotta pay the money um but like again throwing it back to you what's your take on this on this skill group do some of these guys have to go to improve his offensive line. I'd be really surprised if Darren Waller was a Raider next season. I I, I think the coaching staff and likely the front office is frustrated with the injuries and frustrated with the the lack of production, obviously now that he's been there and that he hasn't been able to see the field. And that I think could push him out. Maybe not for good value. I don't think there are going to be teams that sprinting to trade high draft capital, top 50, top 75 draft capital to go get a 31 year old tight end that has had injury concerns, but they're probably moving off of him to get out of the cap situation. Renfro is staying. Adams and Carr should stay. But if they move on from Carr, I'm telling you, I, I don't understand or don't see a future where they move on from Carr and keep Adams. I, I, the reason he left Green Bay when Green Bay offered him as much, if not more money, was to play with Carr. So I can't imagine that McDaniels looks at that situation and, and, and tries to move on from both of them. So I do think Carr, Adams, you have uh, Renfro. I think th- th- those core pieces stay maybe enough to keep Josh Jacobs there, whether they're tagging him or signing him to a short-term deal. Who knows? Then from there, I-, I-, I do think you have to get better at hitting in the draft on the offensive line. And there's opportunity always in free agency to get better along the offensive line without signing blue-chip players, right? I think offensive li- signing free agents and um, – Signing offensive linemen in free agency is often a, a lucrative endeavor and just knowing the age developmental curve of offensive line. I think that's where you can be cheap but efficient with spend along the offensive line in free agency. And I think this free agent class specifically along the offensive line does have some talent going in. Defensively, you're not going to get better overnight as a pass rushing unit, you know, bringing in um, – free agents, right? They tried that with Chandler Jones and just flat out didn't work. You need to draft and develop along the defensive line at off ball linebacker. And in the secondary, I think that's where you can add free agents. I don't know. It, it, it's going to take a lot of maneuvering from Ziegler, but that's why they brought him in, right? They didn't bring him in right. to, uh, to not make these kinds of decisions. All right. So let, let's go with the first decision. This is, and this is going to be, I think, the decision to kind of tell us where we're, where we're going here, right? It's going to be Derek Carr. Uh, we know Derek Carr is owed 34.9 uh, million the cat next year he has a significant uh savings right his, his savings is is almost 30 million dollars you're almost doubling your cap space uh if you get out from the car contract now like you said that would also probably mean you're losing adams uh which would be terrible um but the question becomes do you get rid of car do you trade adams if you do finish in the top two and you're able to pick cj stroud or bryce young is that the route you go and build for the future? That's I think that's the first question we have to answer. So if that if again you're Mark you're Mark Davis, you're Dave Ziegler, what is your move here? Are you sticking with Carr and trying to maneuver some of these deals, or are you taking Stroud, you taking Young, and you're moving on from Carr and potentially Adams? For me, and this is reporting from Doug Hyde of PFF, he said that there are sources that believe Carr will be 
on the market for a second round plus, right? And, and maybe you're getting a second and a, and a day three pick or whatever it may be. I'm not surprised at that value. I, I fundamentally need to understand the commitment we'd get from Adams if I'm putting this GM hat on, the commitment we'd get from Adams if I traded Carway. Because it's not, it's not as simple as do you move on from Carr. It's just, it, it, he, Adams has to be factored into that decision. Because if Adams is adamant that he is committed to the Las Vegas Raiders only if Derek Carr stays on this football team, then you have to keep Carr. Or you're looking at an unprecedented QB wide receiver package trade that we have not seen in the NFL for as long as I can remember, where you're looking to trade a, a QB wide receiver combo. Like, who, who even jumps at that? Is it Carolina? Is it Indianapolis? I, I mean, I think there are teams that would be interested, but it just hasn't happened before. And I think that would be unprecedented given the contract that uh, Devontae Adams obviously signed and, and, and the move that they made this offseason to go acquire him because they think he's that talent. I don't know. I, I don't think, though, they move on from Carr without significant, significant commitment from Adams that he's committed to staying with the Raiders and winning with the Raiders. I don't know if that will happen, though. And if that doesn't, and I, I talk to De Devontae Adams and he says I'm staying and I'm playing with Carr, I probably keep Carr. I keep Carr, I keep Devontae Adams, and I find other ways to improve this roster. Because with Carr and with Adams, the reason this Raiders roster was expected to win eight, nine games is because it is already good enough. Yes, you could argue that you need to get better defensively. Yes, you could argue you can get better along the offensive line. You need to stay healthy. Every team needs to do that. The New York Giants are freaking – well performing above expectations because the coaching is maximizing the talent. You know, you have teams. One of my most frustrating conversations, you know, the most frustrating points I've made this year is people talking about injuries. Like, oh, there's injuries in Green Bay, and that's why the offensive line is not helping. And the receiving course, Sammy Watkins has been hurt. Randall Cobb's been hurt. It's like the Giants are winning football games with an average to below average starter at quarterback and a practice squad receiving court, one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. Don't make the injury excuse. Don't make the talent excuse. You need to win the games on your schedule via maximizing the talent you have and being and adapting to the type of personnel and skill set you have. They, the Raiders aren't. They aren't doing a good enough job of that. That is a reflection of coaching. This team is too talented to win as many games as it is. And and also not just lose as many games as they have, but also like not cover. And I, you know people bring up against the spread record and don't think it's good. Like they are like outright losing games as favorites at home to coaches that were on ESPN's get up a week ago. Like that is embarrassing disappointment, <laughs> right? I think that you look at you compare it to like the Lions or the Texans. They don't have the talent, and no one expected them to play that well. But they're competitive in games, and you'd argue that this season has been less of a disappointment for Houston. You would say the same for Detroit, who's coming off a big win over the Green Bay Packers. Like the, there's a different, there's levels to this. It's not just wins and losses. It's how you're losing games, who you're losing to, are you losing as favorites? And the Raiders have been objectively disappointing in all those all those regards. Yeah, no, I, I agree. This is this is not just a uh, a. a a one situation rebuild where you're just getting rid of one guy or changing one thing uh, and, and you're fixing it, right? It, it's the coaching, the, the guys on the step have to uh, sell scout and look in and, and, and look at themselves in the mirror and go, all right, what, what happened? Why are we, uh, why are we taking a team that should be at least 500 and are already out of the playoff hunt before Thanksgiving? Like that's, that's terrible. Right. And yeah. And I agree. The injury thing is always uh, ridiculous. It's like, he, People have won. The New York Giants have won with less talent. Uh, you have to win. You have to win. This is not a team that's devoid of talent. This is not you a. Have you, you have to adapt. Look at the Bengals yeah. losing Jamar Chase. The Bengals yeah. lose Jamar Chase. They recommit to an under center running game and they find a way to get it done. Like you have to be able to adapt to the personnel that you have at hand. Josh McDaniels has shown no signs of that. You want to talk about who should we move on from? And I know the situation is kind of a fairy tale because Mark Davis is too poor to do it. But 
Josh McDaniels has not been successful as a head coach. You go back and watch the mm-hmm. I Am Athlete podcast with Brandon Marshall, who played for Oh, Josh yeah. McDaniels, and they talk about they were 6 no to start that season because they were cheating, and then Josh McDaniels got fired because they found out they were cheating. Ever since then, he's been terrible. Ever since then, he's really struggled to build a culture, philosophy, schematics, to actually win football games on the football field away from New England. That yep. is what you know the, the saying of when someone tells you who they are, believe them. We got to fucking believe. Like, Josh, Josh McDaniels isn't it. He doesn't have it. Like, you look at the third downs. I think you look at third downs and the target percentages that Devontae Adams is getting in these money down situations. It's so high that they're bracketing him at a high rate. They're doubling him at a high rate and forcing Derek Carr to move off of Adams as the primary target to other targets that are Matt Collins, Foster Moreau, and other guys that just aren't capable of winning. Or, or just force it. Or, or just force it, like Derek does in you know, a coverage. In my, in my opinion, the talent is not being maximized. Yes. There are excuses being made when there shouldn't be excuses being made. And there is leadership now that is losing a locker room. You know, Vic Tafer of The Athletic reported that since the losing has happened, meetings have been longer, practices have been longer, and quote-unquote team officials have been scouring players' social media. You wonder why Blake Martinez retired after a game? Like, I mean, like, th- th- no one wants to play for this team. And, you know, Devontae Adams and Derek Carr are complaining about buy-in and, and not having collective effort. That is a reflection of leadership. That's why Derek Carr is upset. Derek Carr is upset. It's like, I'm a leader on this team, and that's unacceptable. But this was not happening before Josh McDaniels entered the picture. And there's a common denominator in all of us. Yeah, and I agree. And, and I think uh, I, I saw a part of my take uh, clip where they talk about this and how McDaniels since that moment is 7-24, which is which – is, Horrible that he's that not only has he gotten another head coaching job, he's gotten another offer on top of it. Right? He had the Colts job before he left, and then he got another job to do this. So it's it's really uh pretty gross. And and if the and I'm with you, if we really can't get rid of McDaniels, and it probably is like if if this was not a money issue, right? If Jeff Bezos was the was the was the owner yeah. of the Raiders, uh, and we could get rid of Josh McDaniels, you would do it. But because you can't, right? Because you can't, I think this kind of uh, puts you in an odd spot, right? You don't want to take a quarterback in the top two and then fire your coach the next year, right? We have oh, seen, yeah. uh, I think, from 2011 to 2018, there were ten quarterbacks that lost their co- that lost their head coach either during or after the rookie season. None of them panned out, none. And it, we're about guys that had real real potential, but when you have constant change, and also when a guy comes in that didn't draft you. You're not. He has no come out, He has no connection to you. He's like, you're not my guy. I'll move on to the next one. And you also start getting like this weird, um, like, uh, like overlap effect, right? Because like, you know, this this quarterback belongs to the GM. It doesn't belong to the head coach. And then the GM and the and the quarterback get let go. And then the GM hires somebody else, but the coach wasn't his guy. And you kind of essentially what the New York Giants did for like five six years. Uh, and you get into this constant rhythm of just like no one being on the same page. So if if I'm Mark Davis and I know, hey, in, in, not in 2023 because I can't afford, but in 2024 I'm firing Josh McDaniels, I'm not taking a quarterback. Even though yeah. Young and Stroud are so talented, I know that they won't bust, but we will bust on them. And that <laughs> we'll, we will we'll have a problem with them. But, but also because of how bad um, – or how bad some of these teams at quarterback are, you know, pick two is gonna is gonna demand way more than pick two is demanded in previous drafts, right? You're going to get into the middle round, like into the middle of first round, and be able to draft a guy like Paris Johnson of OSU, or like a corner like Cam Smith of South Carolina, or even the tight end from uh, from Notre Dame to replace uh, Waller. There's plenty of opportunity there. 
uh, to, to move back. You, you bring up a point that I think it won't happen because I think Mark Davis won't commit like essentially to like tanking in 2023. But if Josh, Mc, if I'm Mark Davis and Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler come to me and say, Hey, we got to move on from Carr, We got to move on from Adams. This roster's terrible. We can't win like this. I'm not giving them another chance to reload. Right. I would say as the owner saying, you're not going to go spend big in agency. I'm not letting you trade future picks for more players. Like you fucked it. Like if you want to, move on from Derek Carr and Devontae Adams, two of our best players. You want to trade Darren Wall. You want to move on from these guys. You're going to take a, you know, Ryan Poles, Bears type of year where you're offloading a lot of people and you're like actually committing to like unloading this roster. Because it would be unfortunate to see Mark Davis or, or say say Josh Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler are committed to moving on from Carr but still think they can be competitive and say they make a mid-veteran mid trade for, I'm not saying it would be Sam Darnold, but like a Sam Darnold-like trade or a Carson Wentz-like trade where they're trading. Bring back Marcus Mariota. You know, like say, or exactly like day two, day three picks for going and getting like a middle tiered veteran. That's the wrong approach, right? Give letting Mark Davis, letting Ziegler McDaniels have another swing of the bat of making a eight, nine win team and failing again will only set this team back further. If, but if Z Dave, if Ziegler and McDaniels say, no, we can win with Carr and Adams. I know what we need to do. We have a little bit of cap space, a little bit of navigation. Let's make this happen. We're going to run this back. Second year in the system. Let's go. That I feel more confident than letting McDaniels and Ziegler say, no, we're stripping the roster down. We're going to restart from crash. Give me CJ Stroud. Because you know that's what Ziegler want. You know, right. you know what Ziegler, you know what Ziegler and McDaniel want? Probably. I'm making assumptions. Mark Davis, let us have a rookie QB and let me groom him. Because guess what the excuse will be next year? CJ Stroud needs another year. Give me a chance. Like right. that, the NFL stands for not for long. And there's no other position that understands that more than GMs and coaches. And it's staying competitive. It's staying in it that allows them to, you know, allow, oftentimes allows them. And it's not often highly correlated with on-field success. So I, I do think that it's you sticking to Carr and Adams, the bet you made last year, and trying to get this right next year. Or if you want them out, I'm not giving you a second swing of the bat on a quarterback. I'm let, You're going to have to go out there with fucking Nathan Peterman or something and, 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 and figure it out because I'm not letting you extend this leash by going and getting a rookie quarterback at the top of the draft and then forcing my hand in, giving you a third and fourth year as the locker room continues to erode. Yeah, I'm with you. I agree, I agree with you. Um, I think the best move for them going forward would be uh, trade back from one or two, uh, grab guys like like Paris Johnson, grab guys uh, like Keely Ringo from, from Georgia in the, in the top of the second because they're going to have essentially a, a very high second-round pick. Also, uh, with Miami forfeiting their first-round pick, it's almost, like that top of the second-round pick is almost a first-round pick. Uh, so you have a lot of high value in these draft picks. You can get more because we know how value – uh, how valuable that first and second round pick is uh, first and second overall pick is going to be. Cause it seems like it's going to be Bryce young, CJ Stroud, right? It's going to be one, not in, not exactly in that order, but it's going to be one of those two. Uh, and someone's going to fall in love with one of those quarterbacks. It's not like one of those years where we talk about moving down and there's no one to move down with. There'll be teams that want to move up. Also they're playing teams that are kind of um, say mid, I guess, I guess that, that the gen, the gen Z word mid. So they're kind of mid, but they're still winning, but they need quarterback help. They're going to trade up. For, for a quarterback, you can collect picks, you can draft guys because you look at some, going, I think going back to that, that graphic there for the catch situation, look at all those starting positions that you need filled, right? You can't hit that in free agency. Like you can maybe sign a guard or, or a D tackle or free safety or something like that, like on cheap money, but you need to fill a lot of those spots with draft picks. So in order to do that, you need to trade back from two and really um, stretch it out. And then I think trading Darren Waller. Uh, to get a little bit of cap alleviation would, would be great. 
Uh, and then, yeah, I think you, you let you let this this front office and this court and this uh, head coach and, and defensive coordinator go for one more year, knowing that it's make it or break it. But yeah, don't don't drag CJ Stroud or Bryce Young down with you, and then go into this never ending cycle of bad coach, bad quarterback, bad coach, bad quarterback. There's especially with how this end of the season could look, right? So the Raiders and Mark Davis is visiting the locker room after every single game. He's going to visit after they go to Denver, and, and I think they're two-and-a-half-point favorites, but we don't know. That Denver Broncos defense is good. You could see them lose that game. Then they have to go to Seattle, a good Seahawks team. They could lose that game. Host the Chargers could lose that game. Even as bad as the Rams are, they go to SoFi Stadium in early December. Like, if they if they lose four, five, six, seven of these next games and you're looking at a two-, three-win team, you cannot afford, if you're Mark Davis – even if you're, you're going to commit to McDaniels and Ziegler again, to give them another all-in swing of the bat, another go get Adams, go get Chandler Jones, go sign all these players in free agency, let's go, let's go, sign Waller, sign Hunter. You have to say, whoa, you fucked it. Like, you, you, you made a mistake here. We're going to pump the brakes. You're not going to spend big this offseason. You're not going to trade up for shit. You are committing to the roster you had now, but we're stripping this thing down, and we're going to start a rebuild without you in the future. Because, like, that, I think, is the right evaluation of the, of the, of the situation at hand. Yeah, so I think all we discussed was uh, looking forward to 2023 quarterback Daniel Jones for the, for the Las Vegas Raiders. <laughs> but Austin, be, see, that, but that, that would be that I think is the worst case scenario. <laughs> worst case scenario, not not Daniel Jones specifically. The worst case scenario is saying is letting McDaniel's and Ziegler say Carr's not it. Give me X mid tier veteran. You know, give me Daniel Jones. Give me X player on a trade. Because then this regime starts to look a lot like what we had with Matt Rule in Carolina, where Matt Rule went to Carolina, he had Cam Newton, he says, I don't want Cam Newton, give me Teddy Bridgewater. And after Teddy Bridgewater, he's like, Teddy Bridgewater's not it, give me Sam Darnold. And after Sam Darnold, he's like, wait a second, give me Baker Mayfield. And all of it didn't work. And that yeah. has put the Carolina Panthers into literal hell. They're not, yeah. they're not, they're, they're at the bottom of the barrel in terms of they mortgage draft capital, they mortgage capital, they are not in a good position for the future because they've given a coach and a regime too many swings of the bat at quarterback. I don't think you can do that if you're Mark Davis here with the Las Vegas Raiders. You cannot say – McDaniels cannot come to you and say, yeah, I got to move on for Carr for Daniel Jones or some of these other – like you can't – it's got to be um, committing to Carr, in my opinion, committing to this Carr and Adams you know, tandem again in the second season, or you're stripping this thing down and you're saying, we're going Will Anderson at three overall and we're going to start Nathan Peterman for you know 17 games next year and uh, enter the proverbial tank. The Ringers, Austin Gale, man. Thank you so much for joining me, dude. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you.